0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. And I trust that you're standing on your feet, still worshiping to the music that was here tonight. Wasn't that good stuff? Why don't you give yourself a hand and give the Lord a hand in your house right now because God is so good. He really, really is. Well, we're coming to you from the new auditorium, the new worship center, and uh, it's pretty bleak. It really, really is. But Jesus is in the house. My wife came and had dinner with me tonight. I stayed up here most of the day after our prayer today. I stayed the rest of the day, and and my wife came up and had dinner with me, and so she was going to go home and realized that I was going to be preaching to an empty place, and she decided to stay with me so To an audience of one tonight, I give my wife a hand clap of appreciation for staying with me. And then just before we started, two families came and sat in here with us, and then associate pastor and executive pastor, associate pastor uh, Blake is working with us, and executive pastor Brad is in the house. He showed up also. So I'm a little nervous here, because I've got such a large audience to preach to, (laughs) But what a joy to bring the word to you. Now, I want to, before I get started, I want to, I want to compliment, first of all, our our early morning prayer, our 21 days of prayer. It's absolutely been off the chain. It seems like that this year there is more purpose, more passion, more heart in what we are doing than ever before, because many of us, all of us have, but many of us have come through some very difficult times last year, and here we are in a new year, and God is still with us. He's still helping us. He's still blessing us, and we're excited about that. So early morning prayer has been wonderful. It really, really has. We have had great, great numbers, beautiful, beautiful presence of God, and tomorrow is day number five of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, I I believe with all of my heart that if you'll get involved in this, you'll see a blessed year like you've never seen in your life because when you start your life and your year with prayer, there's nothing greater in all the earth that you can do in your life. So start this year. Start tomorrow, day five. Come and join us and come every chance you can. We'll be here in the morning. We'll have coffee for you out in the foyer, out in the new lobby. And uh, we don't have any donuts because we're calling it a fast too. So we're hoping you're getting off a little sugar, all right? Getting off a little sugar because we've had a lot of that during Thanksgiving and Christmas. But come on in the morning, worship with us. It's one hour long. The band will be singing. We'll take about 30 minutes to pray and and ask God for blessings and help and favor. And then we will sing again. We'll have focused prayer and you can go home or go to your job and just have a great, great day. So God bless you really, really good and we hope to see you in the morning. Now, one of the reasons that we're not having church here uh, on Wednesday nights this month is because we're still finishing the inside of this building, and so we're not having church. Uh, Over here are some huge boxes. We got our two new screens in on either side of the large LED wall. The screens came in today, and they're beautiful. And we have 50 pipes over here that would be a, a mistake to even walk around, 50 of them. They're going to go in the ceiling going to hold up our stage lights. We have some things we have to do. The chairs, our chairs up in the upper mezzanine are being put in. Over 150, I think, maybe 60 have already been put in, and we're thrilled about that. We're thrilled about that. So we're expecting great things. The floor has finally gotten finished, and so we're expecting great things when we finally get back in here and we can have Wednesday night church. I know you enjoy it. I'm gonna speak to you tonight. Actually, I'm just gonna kind of talk and teach to you tonight on the subject. It's never it's never too late to pray. It's never too late to pray. And I want to talk about this tonight from a heart that has understood this in my life. Friends used to tease me with this comment. I thought about being a preacher when I was young, one of them said, but I decided not to because I don't believe in working on Sunday. But he added, with a twinkle in his eye, it sure must be nice to work only one day of the week, though. Wow, being a preacher must be an easy job. I heard about a speech teacher that was asked by a young man what it would take to become a good preacher. And she said, fill your mouth with marbles and practice speaking and take the marbles out of your mouth one marble at a time. And when you lose all your marbles, then you will be a preacher. (laughs) <laughs> so a preacher to some is a man that works one day a week and has lost all his marbles. Let me tell you what a preacher really is. Let me tell you, let me stand up and de- defend a preacher. He's a man of God that God has called to set aside for the work of the ministry. Paul told Timothy, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So a preacher, simply put, is a hope breeder. He breeds hope. He's a strength provider. He provides strength. He's a grace giver. And he's a mercy renderer. He rends mercy. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And good news always should dispel gloom. Say amen wherever you are now tonight. So tonight's text we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26. And it's a powerful chapter, a very powerful chapter. And we're going to we're just going to kind of go through it with a sequence beside not read it right now, but just start with how this chapter started out and how it ended. First it starts with the plot to kill Jesus by the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. He tells disciples in 2 days it's going to happen. They go to Bethany, he and his disciples, and he's anointed for burial by a woman. And he's spurned by his own disciples who call it waste. They call this waste. It could have been sold for 300 penny worth. And Jesus said, you will have the poor with you always, but you'll not always have me. And then we hear and read about Judas's betrayal, going to the Sanhedrin and going to the high priest and betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and Jesus then shares Passover with his disciples and Judas is there, but he walks out later that evening. And he institutes the Lord's Supper. They have communion. And then he predicts Peter's denial. This is all in chapter 26. And then from the Last Supper, he goes to Gethsemane to pray. And his disciples go with him and eight of them stay at the gate. Judas is gone. And three of them come to where he is, Peter, James, and John. And Before the night is over, he's betrayed by Judas in the garden with a kiss. And Jesus has prayed all night in the garden of Gethsemane. But the disciples have slept. They've slept through the whole prayer most of the night. And now the Roman guards are there and they're about to arrest the Christ. And Jesus stops the whole process. And he says this in verse 53, do you not think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels. Now, many people think a legion's about two thousand, so that'd be twenty-four thousand angels. Some believe it's probably six thousand, so that would be seventy-two thousand. So, somewhere between twenty-four and seventy-two thousand angels, God would send to him if he just asked him right then. And then, verse fifty-four, he said, "How then could the scripture be fulfilled that it must happen thus?" So I'm going to take these two scriptures, 53 and 54, and I'm going to take it like a sponge in my hand that's been dipped in water. And I'm going to try to wring out everything I can out of this text. I know that I won't get it all, but I'm going to try to bring everything and break everything down to you that I can pull out of this text. Thinkest thou not that I can now pray, and my Father will presently send me 12 legions of angels. See, it's not the arithmetic of prayer that moves God, how many they are, nor the rhetoric of our prayer, how eloquent they are. It's not the geometry of our prayers, how long they may be, or the music of our prayers that moves God, how sweet our voice may be, nor the logic of our prayers, how argumentative they may be, nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be, that God cares for. That does not move God. But in James 5, 16, the fervency of spirit is what avails much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails very much. It's not how you speak. It's the heart that matters in the prayer. So the setting in the Garden of Gethsemane where he had prayed himself into a bloody sweat Judas knew the place for he had been there often with him. So he led the crowd to Jesus and placed a kiss of betrayal on his cheek. And Jesus called him friend. He called him friend. And in the excitement of the moment, one of the disciples, Simon Peter no less, took his sword and cut the ear off of Malchus, the high priest's servant. And Jesus stooped down and picked up the ear and put it on the side of the man's head and healed that ear in the garden as if it had never been taken away from the body. Then he turned to Simon and said, they that live by the sword shall perish by the sword. Simon put it up. And then these words, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. Jesus was intimating folks that when one refrains from force, when he has none, it is no large virtue. But when you have force and you don't use it, it's virtue of the noblest kind. And with adversity on every side, Jesus said, Don't think that I cannot now pray. Can I declare, and I'll trust it, if it's put on the screen, this was his darkest hour ever in his ministry, the Garden of Gethsemane, being betrayed by one of his own. It was a dark hour. And he tells us here that he has a father. I have a father. He's a betrayed man and has no possessions, but he had a father that he could resort to. And he taught us that when we pray, don't start from the bottom, but start at the top. And say it this way, our father, Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Don't start here with your prayer, start there with your prayer. Look up, hear me. When your adversary comes and your back is against the wall, listen to me, children of God. You have a father. Hallelujah. You have a father. You have a father. Children who have a father, and I had a great one, don't worry about a place to sleep, they don't worry about a place to eat. They don't worry about clothes on their back because they trust their father. Oh Lord, let us learn that we have a father. Say it in your home, we have a father. He prayed in Gethsemane for many hours, but the adversary still came. Prayer had not driven them away, but prayer had put strength in him and courage in him and enabled him to face which, that which was before him. See, sometimes prayer handles the problem, but sometimes prayer helps the person with the problem. And Jesus received courage that evening in the Garden of Gethsemane to face Caiaphas. He could face him now. To hear the blasphemous words that he would hear the rest of the morning, he could face them now. Or the whip that was going to come across his back, he could face it now. Or the thorns that was going to be placed on his head with a crown of thorns. He could face it now. Or a cross that he would have to carry up a hill to Golgotha. He could face it now. There was serenity in his soul. Disciples, he wants you to learn that when your back is against the wall, you still have a reserve called prayer. Called prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. And prayer is beautiful. And prayer is proactive. God honors prayer. He talks about prayer. He wants us to pray. So every saint, ever preacher, every sinner understand that prayer still touches the heart of God. And when you come in the morning to prayer in the morning, have a new attitude about prayer. But pastor, I've prayed and nothing has happened in my life. I'm here to tell you that there is a reserve that you haven't tapped into yet. Your prayer life is not yet exhausted. Just keep praying. The matter has not gone too far. Keep praying. My back may be against the wall, but I can pray. Because it's never... You hear me? It's never too late to pray. Prayer is an ever open door. Prayer is the sincere desire of the soul. And prayer which is as simple as a tear and as eloquent as a sigh. You know, some of us may feel like Jonah tonight and you're at the bottom of the sea in a whale of a problem. (laughs) With seaweed wrapped around your head and you can't think right. But it's still not too late to pray. He said, do you think that I cannot now pray? I'm telling you, it was the last resort. But he said, prayer still works when it's even the last resort. Don't ever stop praying. Eddie Rickenbacker was a World War I flying ace. And after a plane crashed over an ocean, He was floating in a raft with other hungry survivors and they decided to pray because they said we're going to die. There's no food here. And before the prayer was over that day, it's a true story. It's in his story. A seagull landed on Eddie's hat and he caught it with his hands. And they ate that seagull that day and they used the entrails of that bird to catch more fish and they lived for eight more days before they were rescued and they all were rescued. He and his men came off of that raft, praising and thanking a God, that answered prayer. And then after retiring from the military, Eddie Rickenbacker would, every Friday, every Friday, because it was on a Friday when he was saved and rescued, he would go down, he lived in Florida, he'd go down to the beach with a bucket of shrimp and he would throw it at the seagulls. And let the seagulls come and eat the shrimp just to say, Thank you, Lord, for answering a prayer in the middle of the ocean. Oh, the power of prayer. Oh, the power of prayer. It is said of the Greeks that they would use long spears in battle, while the Romans would use short swords. And the Romans declared that they were good at close combat. Let me say this about prayer. It doesn't matter if you have a long spear or a short sword. Prayer will work when you're close or prayer will work when you're far away. When it feels like Jesus is right here or it feels like Jesus is way over yonder and you don't know where he's at, just keep praying. God will come to where you are. If I speak to someone tonight who has descended into the valley of Elah, the valley where some Goliath dwells that has come against your soul. Please let me tell you, it is never too late to pray. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Hallelujah. If you've already been thrown into the lion's den, it's not too late to pray. If the lions have already put their mouth on your body, it's still not too late to pray. If the fire has been heated up and you're fixed to be thrown into a fiery furnace, Hebrew boys, it's still not too late to pray. Luke wrote in Acts 27 about a storm called Eurocladon that wrecked a ship that Paul was on on his way to Rome. And they all wanted to be saved and they thought that hope was gone. But Paul said, wait a minute, I'm going to go pray. And he came back after he prayed and he said to the men, while I prayed, an angel stood beside me and told me that we were going to make a safe, a safe port and everything was going to be all right. If you're in some dark Gethsemane and your back is against the wall, say to your antagonist, you don't think that I can now pray because you don't understand antagonists. I have a father. <laughs> I have a father. That's something to shout about. That's something to jump about. Come on, it's never too late to pray. The Lord said, Peter, put your sword up. Understand that there's somebody I'm talking to that was buried in a grave and they gave up on him and said he wouldn't come out. But on the third day, he came out of the grave and he answers our prayer still today because he is a God that answers prayer. Say amen to that. But then Jesus said in 54, but how then shall the scripture be fulfilled that thus it might be? More important than his own comfort was the scripture being fulfilled in his life. Here's a question I want to pose tonight in your home. I don't understand why people don't allow the scriptures to be fulfilled in their life. That's a question that you need to answer. Why don't you allow the scripture to be fulfilled in your life? Many people let cheap, temporal things keep the scriptures from being fulfilled in their hearts and in their lives. Jesus says, I can, I can pray, but how will the scriptures be fulfilled? See, the reason some leap and some dance and some shout for joy is because the scripture is being fulfilled In their life, Peter, the man who cut the ear off Malchus in the garden, preached the first message on the day of Pentecost. It's a long way from a sword in the garden to Jerusalem in an upper room because it's never (laughs) too late to pray. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, when a person's on their deathbed, is it too late? Oh, antagonist, oh, disbeliever, oh, doubter. It does not matter where a man or a woman is in their walk with God. It doesn't matter. It's never too late. I used to have a precious lady. I'm not far from closing. I used to have a precious lady that worked here, and I called her my girl Friday. She was in her 80s when she worked for me. She worked just on Fridays, and she was so precious, and we buried her a couple of years ago. But several years before her passing, she had a husband who was a lost man. He was a man that did not want the Christ that I preach about and that he had heard in his life. He didn't go to church with his wife. He stayed home. He didn't bother her from going to church, but he just didn't go to church himself. But one day he contacted cancer, and the cancer got on him pretty quick, and it was taking him down real swiftly. And so I was asked to come out to where they lived, and I went out there, and he was in very hard, abject pain. And he said, Preacher, I just need you to pray for me. And so I went to his bedroom and I prayed for him. And it was a, it was a pretty sad situation. I don't mind telling you, it was pretty sad. And he said, Preacher, I, I, I want to be baptized. And he said, uh, can you put me in the bathtub and baptize me? And I said, you know what, you know what, What Ray, why don't we just, why don't we just wait? I'm going to be gone a couple of days and I'll be back, and I'll come back, and I'll baptize you. Maybe you'll be feeling better on a couple of days. So I went out of town, came back two days later, and he was at ICU in the hospital. He had gone down that fast. And my heart was crushed, and my mind was troubled because I had pushed aside what he wanted to be done in his life, be baptized and arise and be saved. But I went to the hospital. I went to the hospital, and I said, God, God, I need an answer. I need a prayer. And I don't preach this as doctrine. I really don't. But I looked over at the sink, and there beside the sink was a towel, a wash towel. And God said, why don't you just put some water in that and take it like a sponge and just squeeze it over his head and call my name over him. I couldn't get him in the water. We tried. They couldn't unhook him. He He had so many wires and hoses coming out of him. And so all I could do was do what I had to do. And I, he was unconscious. He was not, even, he was not lucid. He was not, he was not speaking at all. And when I poured that water over him and I said, Lord, somehow receive this as an offering and a sacrifice of baptism. And he opened his eyes and he looked at me and he said, thank you, Pastor. And that's the last words he ever said. And I believe when he closed them the next time, I believe the Lord sent his angels to pick him up and take him home. Because God showed me in that man's life that it's never too late to pray. Never too late to pray. Some of you have kids that are out there that you think you'll never see back home. And you have family that don't want to live for God. Get on your knees tonight and pray because it's never too late to pray. See, a musician is commended not because he played so long, but because he played so well. It's not the longevity of a musician, it's how well he played. And so it is not the days of our life, but the goodness of our life. It's not the length of our prayers, but the fervency of our prayers. It's not the measure of our profession, but it's the sincerity of what we really profess. That is acceptable unto God. I received a text, and I close here tonight with this. I received a text back in nineteen, I mean twenty fifteen, pardon me, nineteen, dear Lord, where's my mind? There was a pastor friend of mine that had a that had a son who had been a prodigal. In fact, he was he, this pastor called him the poster boy of prodigals. The young man had left home and had walked away, and for twenty five years he was just out there just doing his thing, ravaged his body with drug abuse and alcohol. He was dying. But he came home, he came home, and they put him in hospice immediately. And in that hospice room, he found the Lord again and renewed his experience with God. But for 25 years, prayer was made, prayer was made. For 25 years, a prodigal ran wild. But when it was all said and done, the prodigal went home to be with Jesus. Here's what I'm telling you. God is not into microwave man- management. He's in more to crockpot ministry. It takes a little bit longer sometimes to get what you really want from God. And I don't know if we always got what we wanted if we would be content with ever asking God for anything because I think the pull, the pressure, the move, the heartache, the brokenness is something that attracts God's heart to us. And I think when you are in a broken and a contrite spirit, the Bible said he'll draw nigh to you. And if you're broken tonight and you're open to him and you pray to him, I promise you he'll come to where you are. He'll come to where you are and he'll heal And he'll answer the prayer that you send up. So I'm going to tell you one more time tonight in closing. It's never too late to pray. It's never too late to pray. Mom, dad, brother, sister, it's time to pray. It's a new year. It's a new start. It's a fresh beginning and it's time for us to incorporate ourself into a company of prayer warriors and be prayers for the kingdom of God. God needs people that will touch his throne. And this church is full of them. So in the morning at six o'clock, if you can get up, if you can't, turn us on and pray with us at your home. We'll be into your houses in the morning. But tonight, I just want to tell you, Jesus said, thinkest thou not that I could now pray right now, right now in this Gethsemane with soldiers around me, I could now pray to my Father. And he would presently send me 12 legions of angels. Listen, when you pray, you understand you've got a big daddy in heaven and he wants to answer your prayer. Would you bow your heads with me where you are? And I want to pray over us. And I'm gonna ask God to bless you and let this message soak into your soul. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, we come to you right now and we thank you for this time and we thank you for the message tonight that you have laid on our hearts. And we ask you, Lord, to let this message touch people's lives and strike a note in their hearts that they need to pray and not cease that they need to ask, that they need to knock, that they need to seek. Lord, let it happen in our lives. Bless us now. Bless us now. And let us just cuddle you to our hearts. Let us just reach out and say, Jesus, it's you that I want in 2021. It's you that I need in 2021. Let it happen and let us be blessed and let us walk through this year saying, pandemic, Fear, it's behind me. Faith, I'm reaching for it. And Jesus is still my portion. In the name of the Lord. And everybody said amen. Amen. I love you tonight, folks. Thank you for listening in. Sorry we had a little problem with the front end getting started. But it's all new stuff here. And we're just getting used to it. So thank you. We love you. We'll see you in the morning. And we'll see you this weekend. We still have in church on the weekend. God bless. I love you very much. 9 and 11. See you. God bless. Have a wonderful day.